Welcome to Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work, a podcast intended to showcase best-in-class practices on burning issues related to disability and employment. I'm Nasha Ely, Business Relations Consultant with the Business Network Division of Michigan Rehabilitation Services, Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Dr. Sriram Narayanan, Professor of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. Hi. Each episode, we will be having conversations with employees, employers, firms, community organizations, not-for-profits, and other state organizations that are doing outstanding work in integrating individuals with disabilities into the workforce and allow them to share their experience and stories. This production is a collaboration between the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University and Michigan Rehabilitation Services. For this episode, we are joined by Kathy West Evans, Director of Business Relations for the National Employment Team at the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation, and Mike Corso, co-founder and president of Disabled Persons, Inc. for our second of two conversations on the Talent Acquisition Portal, which is also known as TAP. This episode will focus on the flexibility of TAP, TAP's business model, and a TAP success story. The talent acquisition portal can be reached at tapability.org, T-A-P-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y dot O-R-G. Could you tell us what's on tap for tap? Like, you know, what kind of functionalities and uh, next two, three years, as you visualize hearing from many of your customers, both individuals and businesses, um, and perhaps counselors who, who seem to be a big stakeholder in your in your platform. How do you, what kind of functionalities are you thinking for each one of these entities? Like in the next two to three years, you would like to build? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know, Kathy, do you want to say something or I, whatever. What do you have on your mind? I'm not reading your mind right now, Mike. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're good at that. So we, you know, the thing, the thing that we could do since we own, own the the system, it's not, you know, off the shelf, as we have said, it's proprietary. We can build functionality at basically at will. What we, what we look for is, not well. one person wants one specific thing. If somebody brings up something that's needed and we ask people, other agencies, whatever, this is something that is useful to you. If a lot of people say it, then we'll build it in. And we've done that you know, many different times. We had a request from um, the state of California and we built, you know, and we thought it was a good thing. We built it. We had uh, just this week, I had a request from, um, the Veterans Administration, they wanted to see, was there a way that, that they can tell how many of their counselors was in, like a little box that shows how many counselors, whatever. So I called up a programmer and said, hey, is there a way we could do that? He said, 
yeah, I'll get it done. And it's done already. We're going to deploy it just within a week just to make something easier, right? It, it, we don't have to go through channels because, you know, CSAVR and disabled person own it. So we don't have to go through boards. We don't have to do this. We don't have to raise money to increase functionality because we have a programmer who built it. So it all depends. Sir. I mean, it all depends what's needed. If somebody came to us and said, uh, you know, we want artificial intelligence, but, you know, we'd have to see what it would take and, you know, um, to do, but we're not, we're not trying to keep up with like the big job boards with, you know, the semantics and, and artificial intelligence, because we don't need the, um, we don't need to search the searches like other, other portals do. It's a contained portal, right? And we have the candidate um, sourcing, not resume sourcing. And let me add to that. I think, um, you know, the way that TAP was built, and, and it's probably something we should have talked about up front, um, we didn't build in, build in the percentage of match, you know, um, in, in some areas, um, you know, like if, if a job board, I mean, AI has great qualities, but you also need human decision-making, right? <laughs> so um, we did not put anything in here that says this candidate is a 90% match or an 80% match. We were advised against that. Uh, EEOC advised against that because it's really the decision of the business, the employer that's hiring people. And there has to be that human understanding and processing. So in TAP, when you come in, you select a job category that you're interested in. And I think one of the best things of this platform, based on what we heard from individual customers, was that you can indicate your availability anywhere across the country. And you can include it within 10 or 50 miles of a major city or any city. So if you're depending on public transportation, you can indicate you know, the range that you know public transportation. So for individuals who, like I said, lived in one state, but was, were willing to relocate for a career, just like anyone else, they have that capability. And I think one of the things Mike and I have been talking about behind the scenes is with this growth in remote opportunities, how do we start to build that in and build that opportunity in as a, as a tag or you know, a connection? We're not quite there yet. Mike, am I sharing secrets? I shouldn't be saying publicly. No, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. You talked so much about the unique opportunities that TAP offers um, that you probably didn't know you were, you were mentioning it, but how TAP is unique compared to other online platforms um, from the reporting to even the, uh, the virtual job fairs built into that, the ability to communicate kind of behind the scenes between the business and the candidates all those things. Um, something that I think has been posting a little more recently has been the opportunity for apprenticeships and internships. Can you speak to that just a little bit? That is a very interesting and growing arena. And, um, you know, we've had the conversation about any type of business-based work experience or learning experience. 
um, oftentimes we'll put a label on it like an internship or an apprenticeship, but we're working with companies on the number of business-based um, learning experiences. Uh, with one company, um, we're, we're working with uh, an internship, but it's for people that are not even in college or university. It's a chance to, you've got part of a skill set. It's a chance to try out the job and a chance for you to get to know the company and for the company to get to know you. And we've converted several of those people into permanent employment, okay? And, and business has such a high need for, for talent right now that it's a great time to be looking at that. So, um, you know, and you know, Nasha, with some of our companies, we've done pre-apprenticeships that have converted to registered apprenticeships. And then we have our training centers of which we have one in Michigan. So, you know, anything that we can do to take a look at how we can train in person or remotely. And Mike and I are working on some, we've got a pilot out there on something we're working on there. Um, and, you know, we work with our training centers, the eight training centers across the country to pilot and test some of this as well. And so again, Michigan has been a key partner there. So yes, yes. <laughs> we'll do what it we'll do what it takes. Right. If, if something needs to be done and we can do it, we're happy to do it. We've done it in the past. So we'll so uh, I th thank you, Mike and uh, Kathy. I do want to get one related question in in this that you know I'm curious about. So how do what is the business model for TAP? You know, do consumers pay? Do businesses pay? Um, how, how, what is the overall approach? Like when, if I, as a consumer want to come register on tap, uh, what would be expected of me? And just, would you, would you mind talking to us a little bit about that just from a consumer and business vantage point? So there's no charge, there's no charge to job seekers, right? But you can't just enter the portal. You have to be invited by a counselor, right? And we work with voc rehab, we work with um, the VRNE, the Veterans Administration. We have employment networks from Social Security, um, Ticket to Work. Um, their candidates are on there. Helen Keller National Center, American Federation of the Blind. So we have a, a lot of different um, agencies that are inviting candidates that they work with onto the portal. So you just can't come into come into tap. That's what that's one of the most unique things about it. As far as as far as monetizing, the employers pay to post their positions, and um, they don't. And because we're nonprofits, right? Our fees are are maybe twenty five percent, twenty twenty five percent of what the going rate is in, in the the real world, if you want to call it that. Because um, we're we're limited by the IRS on what we can charge, as per our nonprofit applications. We basically, the funds basically fund the operation of the platform and then we have a trainer. And that, that's basically, you know, what, what the business is paying for. Um, the support of the net, and I always love to say this, is taxpayer dollars back at work in business. So um, we, we don't charge business for the support um, that that they receive. And I think what's exciting in terms of the growth of TAP is to see the community coming together. This is absolutely the largest talent pool of individuals with disabilities when you look at VR 
and VA and the ENs and our partners like Helen Keller, American Federation for the Blind and growing. Um, we wanna make it easy for business to come and for individuals to have a platform that they know that they're connecting with businesses who truly see their talent. And that's all thanks, that's all thanks to Kathy, just wanna okay. say on the podcast. She has brought all those, all those agencies together. Um, it's a great task, what she did. It takes a team. I'm just going to say that. Michigan That's... has been there since day one. So I always have to say that for this team in particular. Thank you for your, all of your support. That's that's fantastic. So so on, on that note, Kathy, maybe I'll, I'll ask one pointed question because COVID has been such a big bellwether for everybody. Um, and, and particularly, um, you know, we also ran a, our first couple of podcasts focused on back to work and COVID. And you briefly touched upon that. Could, could, could you talk to us about what you are seeing uh, in terms of hiring uh, and retention of people with disabilities um, post-COVID? And, and are there any plans that you have through TAP on how to influence uh, since you're such a big community now? Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, and, and Mike can weigh in here. Mike's, Mike's uh, kind of shy about this, but he has a medical background. So um, he, he brings that area of expertise, but the community of people with disabilities is changing. Um, long COVID or COVID long haulers, whatever you want to call them, they're a reality. We're already seeing that. Um, and with the businesses that we're working with, we're already getting requests for helping bringing people back to work and retaining them in a company. In a labor market where a business is struggling to bring in employees, they wanna keep employees who are there and, and have the experience and the expertise. And we wanna be there to help with that retention. So in the Workforce Investment Opportunity Act um, in 2014 that amended the Rehab Act, there's even an exemption in there. So if a, a VR agency is in order of selection, you have the opportunity as a VR agency to serve individuals who are in danger of losing their job due to a disability as a priority. So it's that rapid response. Um, our programs like Alabama have a retaining a valued employee so it's not just bringing talent to companies, but it's helping keep people working. And as people are experiencing and acquiring disability anytime in their employment life cycle, and COVID is a big piece of that, how do we support people in their adjustment to a disability, keep them working? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to let someone lose their job when they've got the talent that a business needs. It's the, the connection to support their retention. Um, and bring the services to them to keep them working. I don't know, Mike, what are some of your thoughts? Yes, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that the biggest thing about our community um, with COVID, you know, in my opinion, is the remote work is, is the big, big issue, right? Prior to the, to the pandemic, people with mobility issues, you know, would look for work online. And, and whatever work online, you know, they were there. If they were, um, they had the qualifications, they, you know, they were looked at seriously for the position. Well, now that everybody's working online, the community, our community has kind of been pushed to the back of the line, right? Because now you have, they're competing against, you know, the general population, basically. 
Um, so that's been a big, 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 big issue, you know, with COVID um, and, and the pandemic that really exposed that. And what it exposed is that the, our community needs more education, more targeted education, you know, to compete. Um, and that's something that, that, you know, be addressed later or whatever, but I'm just, I'm just saying, those are my thoughts. And I think the accessibility in the remote world, Trim, that's where we can step up and help. You know, so when we're working, for example, like remote customer service positions, a lot of times our agencies for the blind are the first step. We're looking at system accessibility and, you know, how do you hire? How do you keep people? And, uh, you know, I think the focus on uh, internet connection and broadband access is a key piece. <laughs> So whether you're in an inner city or a remote area, do you have access to technology and the internet? That's, that's really interesting. I, I do have one last question. I know we'll be out of time pretty soon. Um, you know, as an academic, I'm always, you know, we always talk about um, platforms that connect people um, as having a lot of power. You know, uh, the big power for platforms is information because you, you tap into people with disabilities, you tap into businesses, uh, you tap into counselors, um, and you have a lot of institutional knowledge across agencies from what I hear. Um, you know, in some ways, perhaps I'm wondering aloud that one could actually put data science to work uh, from the vantage point where you are and say to state agencies or to businesses, you know, we have actually done homework on this, this is what you should be doing uh, because you can get X percent higher returns on what you're doing because businesses keep talking about that ROI and uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal for them from what I hear. So do you have any thoughts on that? Like how can, how can a platform like yours leverage data science for, for influencing um, uh, or you probably are already doing it I'm just wondering aloud, do you have any thoughts on that con piece of the conversation? No, I do. Um, that is great, right? Everybody, everybody now is into the data. They want to know every little data point that's, that's available. And sometimes what they do, they forget about the, the human being, right? Because they, the, they look at the data and say, oh, well, this point's here and we have to move this up. And you still have to look at the human being. That's what we try and bring in. I mean, that, that's, that, that's one point I want to make. The other is we do, have, um, we do have multiple data points on tap, right? One of the data points that we, that, that we have is hiring. You know, did, did that person get hired? A human being has to actually go and click that box. They check and say, yeah, I got hired. Or the employer has to come back and say, yes, we did hire. Um, doesn't happen much, you know, because... The person, when they get the job, they go, yay, and they, <laughs> they leave the platform and they go on with their day. And the employer goes, oh, that was a good one. And they go on with their day. They're not, people don't circle back. That's just not human nature. So sometimes data points get skewed. You know, you may see, well, this is only 2% and it should be 6%. Or maybe it's 9%. But in reality, you know, people just aren't going and doing it. You know what I mean? So how do you deal? How do you deal with that? That's why it always gets back, like Kathy had said earlier in, in, the, in the podcast, always gets back to the human touch. And that's what we try and do. And then the other side of the coin is, you know, to, to take that kind of data and stats and blah, 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 we'd have to hire somebody else. And 
we don't really want to hire anybody else at this point. It's not, you know, it's just another thing to do. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense or not. I think because this system connects into an applicant tracking system that is owned by the business that we don't have access to, that's always a connection we're talking about. Um, you know, how can we, we, we're trying different strategies of um, tagging applicants and working with business to have them look at who's hired, but how do we make that easy? How do we make that easy for the individual, for the staff, the counselor, who is supporting that person and the business. And um, this is that system interface. So, hey, we're always open to ideas. <laughs> yeah. And on the platform itself, the, the head of the agency, let's say the, the California um, Department of Voc Rehab, the head of the agency on TAP can go in and they can pull whatever stats they need on their counselors and their candidates, how many jobs they apply to, you know, responses um, to the job, who starred jobs, who unstarred jobs, how many resumes were published. I mean, they can pull all that data, you know, for themselves. That's fascinating. Thank you. Well, as we start to wrap up, um, I'm just wondering if you can share, you don't have to name the business, any success story about businesses who maybe even worked across state lines to secure talent utilizing TAP? There's a number, Nasha. <laughs> and, you know, and I think the success of it, it's, you know, it's like our, um, well, our long-term partnership with Wells Fargo, I'll just say it right out here because Mike- That's what I'm said. thinking, yeah. Yeah, um, they were a partner that helped us build it. And, and we've not only just had, um, you know, large companies, we've worked with small companies, we've worked with federal agencies. So I want to say that right up front. We've had great, great support. But, you know, as they've adjusted to the new world of work and we're doing virtual career fairs and companies are going through changes, you know, we see a lot of things impacting the company, not just the shift to remote work, but I'm excited to see disability as part of the DEI and A discussion right up front. And Michigan has been, again, another leader in that dialogue um, and, and thinking about people with disabilities in that overall initiative within a company and how that fits with the outreach and building with a company around that. So, you know, I think, um, you know, Wells Fargo has done a great job of building with us, building with the net. They're in multiple locations. Um, we've worked with them since they were South Trust, which was acquired by Wycovia which was acquired by Wells Fargo. <laughs> so we've worked through, this is the third acquisition. And, you know, it's, it's the partnership. Nasha, I think you would agree with that. You're, you're out in the field working with these companies. It's all about the partnership and building the strategy with a company mm -hmm. behind using a tool like TAP. Yes. That's great. Uh, you know, I, I know we are almost out of time. So I'm just going to perhaps close by thanking both of you um, and to the audience, um, the, the website is tapability.org um, if people want to go in and access the platform. Um, and Mike and Kathy, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your, your um, wealth of work with us. Um, it's, it's certainly impressive uh, what you have put together. And uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity as well. Yeah. Have a wonderful and you're day. All
and your ongoing support. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the second of the two episodes on the Talent Acquisition Portal for Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to Kathy West Evans, Director of Business Relations for the National Employment Team, NET, at the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation, or CSAVR in short, and Mike Corso, co-founder and president of Disabled Person Inc. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted to future episodes. We want to take this opportunity to thank many individuals that have helped us kickstart this podcast, especially We want to thank our colleagues in Southeast Michigan Employee Resource Group who helped and participated in several brainstorming sessions, offering their advice and helping us plan this project. We also thank individuals at Michigan State University that helped us in reviewing podcast content and questions. Last but not the least, uh, our able podcast editor, Tyler Grass from Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Uh, This is Sriram Narayanan at Michigan State University Uh, with my co-host, Nasha Ely um, at Michigan Rehabilitation Services, signing off. We want to remind our listeners that this podcast is a commercial-free community initiative. Just to remind you that if you have ideas, thoughts you want to share directly with us on the topic of abilities, opportunities, and future of work, please do consider reaching out.